The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Welcome to Prognosis. I'm Laura Carlson. It's day 124 since coronavirus was declared a global pandemic. Today's main story? Much of what we know suggests the virus is transmitted through tiny droplets from infected people. But researchers are now looking at tiny aerosols that linger in the air, and whether they too can infect us. But first, here's what happened in virus news today. The World Health Organization had a sobering message at a briefing this morning. COVID-19 won't disappear quickly. And it's unrealistic to hang our hopes on a perfect vaccine emerging soon. WHO head Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus said strong government leadership was necessary and that fighting the virus is a long-term commitment. In the U.S., the virus is making a comeback in states that thought they'd already endured the worst of it. California, Louisiana, Michigan, and Washington state are seeing case counts climb again after months of declines. It's not just a matter of more testing. Hospitalizations, and in some places deaths, are rising too. Experts say the disease is on the rise in these states for the same reasons it's breaking records in places like Florida. Those reasons include a population no longer willing to stay inside, Republicans who refuse face masks as a political statement, street protests over police violence, and young people convinced the virus won't seriously hurt them. Early in the pandemic, New York had one of the worst outbreaks in the U.S., and took some of the strictest lockdown measures. That has paid off. This weekend, New York City had its first day without a COVID-19 death since the outbreak. But even there, officials are seeing a worrying trend. Cases are rising among people aged 20 to 29. Today, Mayor Bill de Blasio said the city will work to educate young people on the importance of wearing masks and keeping socially distant. And now for today's main story. We're learning more about how SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, is spread from person to person. For the most part, it happens when we're in close contact with an infected person who emits tiny liquid particles by coughing, sneezing, speaking or singing. These droplets come out even when we just breathe normally. You get the virus by inhaling the droplets, having them travel into your ears or nose, or getting one stuck on your hand, which you then absentmindedly use to touch an orifice. But at a New Year's lunch in China, 
a group of people got sick in a way that suggested there might be another way you can get COVID-19. Bloomberg senior editor Jason Gale reports on the latest worry. That virus-laden aerosols floating in gas clouds could infect us. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. In China, the New Year holidays mean mass migration. People travel across the country to catch up with relatives, enjoy reunion dinners and hand out cash-filled red envelopes to children. A family from Wuhan, the central Chinese city where the coronavirus emerged, was part of that mass movement. Back in January, this family of 10 caught a train to the southern city of Guangzhou the day before having lunch in a crowded restaurant. It was the eve of the Lunar New Year. What they didn't know at the time was that one of them, a 63-year-old aunt, was coming down with COVID-19. A few hours after leaving the restaurant, the retiree developed a fever and cough. It means she was probably at her most infectious when she squeezed into a seat at a round table at the back of the restaurant. As the family enjoyed lunch and air conditioner blew air across the back of the room where they were seated, that was a few feet from two other families at neighbouring tables. Importantly, the air conditioning unit on the wall facing the aunt incubating COVID was blowing air over all three tables. And it turns out that warm breeze and lunch weren't the only things these families shared. A week and a half later on February 5, nine more of the diners had come down with COVID-19 four members of the Wuhan family, plus five members of the two other families. But none of the waiters or 73 other patrons in the room contracted the disease, and neither did anyone back at the Guangzhou Hotel, where the Wuhan family was staying. Researchers investigating the outbreak were in luck. There was a closed-circuit television camera in the restaurant, and the footage showed no close contact between each table's guests, aside from several seats being back-to-back. So to figure out how the virus spread over several metres, the researchers simulated the airflow across the three tables, and it pointed to what many scientists had feared. That is, that the virus could be suspended and moved about in the ambient air long enough and far enough to cause multiple infections. That this could occur is no surprise for Professor Ben Cowling, Head of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the University of Hong Kong. Ben assisted China in the early study of the coronavirus's transmission dynamics. When I hear that transmission is going on after prolonged close contact, it makes me think that aerosols are playing a role, mostly at short range. But in rooms where there's poorer ventilation, people spend a longer period of time, you might see a little bit of long-range transmission. And we have seen outbreaks in call centres, in choir practices, in restaurants and bars and nightclubs. And that's the kind of situations where if the ventilation is not as good, you could see a bit of aerosol transmission happening. 
The outbreak in the Guangzhou restaurant has become the touchstone in a global debate about how the coronavirus can spread in poorly ventilated spaces and the extra measures that may be required to halt it. At the heart of the controversy remain lingering questions about how often such airborne transmission occurs. After all, the Guangzhou incident shows a majority of diners in the restaurant remained healthy, and so did roughly half of the people at the table where the infected woman from Wuhan was sitting, and at the tables on either side of hers. Here's Ben Cowling again. Yeah, so in Hong Kong, we've we've done a bit of that analysis. We've found that 70% of COVID cases didn't pass infection to anyone else. And it was just a minority. It was a 20% minority that caused 80% of onwards transmission. And that's presumably a minority of cases are more contagious. And then among those, some of them have the potential to spread to lots of others. And so we have this super spreading phenomenon. And, and I think when there is super spreading going on, the most likely explanation for that is also aerosol transmission. But that's not to scare everybody. That's just to state the, the fact that viruses can spread in this way. And we need to be aware of that. And ventilation can be particularly important. The World Health Organization updated a scientific paper about the transmission of the SARS-CoV-2 virus on Thursday. It said it doesn't rule out the possibility of airborne transmission in crowded areas or indoor venues with poor ventilation. However, the Geneva-based agency said more research is needed because in such cases, there may be alternative explanations as to how people got sick, such as respiratory droplets that fell onto surfaces. The WHO faces pressure from scientists led by Lydia Morawska, director of the International Laboratory for Air Quality and Health at Queensland University of Technology in Australia. Lydia argues that handwashing and physical distancing alone aren't enough to stem infections. It is exhaled, it is in the air. And the research over the past three months found the presence of this virus in the air and retrospectively that it infected people. Lydia and a colleague published an open letter in a medical journal last week calling on the WHO and other international groups to address the airborne transmission of COVID-19. The letter documented research that was backed by 239 scientists. It asked officials to consider such precautions as increasing ventilation and avoiding recirculating potentially virus-laden air in buildings like hospitals and schools to avoid the kind of scenario played out in the restaurant in Guangzhou in January. What's being debated isn't what happens when an infected person coughs or sneezes globs of virus-laden liquid. That's a long-established mode of infection. Rather, it's whether tiny particles, known as microdroplets and aerosols, stay afloat long enough to be inhaled and cause infection deep in the lungs. And therefore, what control measures to use? Resolving these questions is becoming increasingly urgent as workplaces, schools and colleges reopen. In the United States, President Donald Trump has rejected school reopening guidelines that included increasing the circulation of outdoor air as too difficult. I spoke with Lydia in late June, a week before her letter came out, to help clear up some questions I had. Um, I think people have kind of mistakenly thought that there are droplets and then there are aerosols and that it's very sort of binary when, in fact, there's a whole gradient of size of these particulates that come out of one's respiratory tract. Can you talk about that? 
Well, there is um, a very big mess in, um, in relation to the terminology. And it's often considered that the small uh, particles emitted, uh, exhaled by people are called aerosols and the big are, are called droplets. It's nothing like this. Aerosols, the definition of aerosols are liquid and solid particles in the air. Now droplets are liquid particles, so basically droplets are liquid aerosols. So therefore we are not talking smaller, it, it has nothing to do with size. Our breath isn't usually visible, but when it's really cold, we can see it as puffs of steam. Lydia said it's a helpful visualisation of how virus-laden particles of varying sizes can be expelled from an infected person in a turbulent gas cloud. But are these virus-laden aerosols infectious? This depends on the condition of the uh, of the environment. Uh, viruses uh, this, of this type are like uh, cool air and dryish conditions. So uh, if these are the conditions, uh, like in many office buildings, for example, this could be good conditions. If, on the other hand, we go outside where there is uh, hot and, in addition, UV radiation, well, within a very short period of time, they will be deactivated. Which suggests being outside is less risky for catching the coronavirus than being indoors. Well, very much so, but this is not the only aspect um, since UV radiation. It is the very fast dilution. Outdoors, which is a well, large reservoir, dilution is very fast. So, therefore, the airborne transmission outdoors has very little chances to occur. Of course, there is still that contact. If you are standing next to somebody for a long time and this person sneezes at you or something like this, that's the close contact. But otherwise, in uh, airborne transmission, it's much less likely to occur uh, outdoors. In her letter last week, Lydia recommended high-efficiency air filtration and germicidal ultraviolet lights be used to reduce the risk of airborne transmission. She also pointed to simpler protective measures like supplying clean outdoor air and avoiding overcrowding on public transport. Since SARS-CoV-2 emerged, Lydia's written or contributed to more than a dozen papers on the potential for the pandemic's airborne spread. This makes me even sort of more, um, I'd say, determined to get something done about this, because once this pandemic is over, which probably won't happen that quickly, but once this pandemic is over, again, this and this is not the uh, issues are not recognised and not taken care of, and we are we will be in the, in the same situation uh, during the next pandemic. Evidence for airborne transmission of the coronavirus is still emerging and incomplete. Examples like the Guangzhou restaurant suggest it's the most plausible explanation for how people were infected in some situations. While scientists conduct further research to better understand why, how, and to what extent these microscopic particles can spread COVID-19, there are things we can do to mitigate that risk. Stay home if you're sick. Cough and sneeze into your elbow. Observe physical distancing recommendations. Avoid crowded, poorly ventilated indoor spaces. And, where it's appropriate, wear a face mask. That was Jason Gale in Melbourne. And that's it for our show. For coverage of the outbreak from 120 bureaus around the world, visit Bloomberg.com slash coronavirus. 
And if you like the show, please leave us a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It's the best way to help more listeners find our global reporting. The Prognosis Daily Edition is produced by Topher Forges, Jordan Gaspure, Magnus Henriksen, and me, Laura Carlson. Today's main story was reported by Jason Gale. Original music by Leo Sidrin. Our editors are Rick Schein and Francesca Levy. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.